I win again. Hey everyone, welcome to New City Online. I'm the winner, Tammy, and this is Ron. And I call for a rematch. We thought we'd bust out a cornhole game in celebration of summer with you guys. So wherever you're worshiping with us from, welcome. And if you're new with us, we want to extend a very warm welcome to you. We are so glad that you're with us and we want to connect with you. Go to our website, newcity.us connect and let us know that you're joining us today. And you can join us every Sunday at three service times, 9, 1030 and 5 o'clock p.m. And literally, you can join us any other time of the week with our on-demand option. Yes, we had a family share with us that they had guacamole and Monday night church. I mean, what's better, guacamole and church? That's pretty awesome. Well, the only thing better is guacamole, church, and cornhole. Yes, yes. <laughs> so let's get ready to worship together.
Hey again, thanks so much for worshiping with us, New City. We're so grateful to be able to gather online in this way. Yes, and we have an amazing opportunity to tell you about. It's called Summer Jam at Home, and it's for you families who have kids at home. I want to encourage you to go to the website to get the details about it, newcity.us summerjam. But it's a deep dive into your child's relationship with God. They're going to learn so much, and our next-gen team is putting together activity bags just for this. So go to the website to learn more. You know, one of the things God has been teaching me recently about giving and generosity is that the God of the universe doesn't need my few dollars each week to fulfill his mission and purpose in the world. But he does want us to be generous because he knows that our money is tied to our hearts. And that's ultimately what God wants is our hearts. 
So if you're ready to take that step in giving and supporting New City Church, the best place you can do that is online, newcity.us give. Now let's pray together for our offering today. Heavenly Father, thank you that you do use us to fulfill your purpose. Father, I do pray that you would use these resources, take them, multiply them. Father, to expand your kingdom and give you glory. Father, I pray that New City would continue to be a community of Christ followers who brings gospel renewal to our city and to our world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today at New City Online. We're grateful to have you. And before we get too much further, I do want to just thank each and every one of you who have served our country. I want to just tell you how grateful we we are for you. Um, I've got a veteran sitting here to my right, but just want to uh, let you know that we're grateful for you and for your service and for the the freedom that we uh, enjoy uh, this weekend and celebrate. So thank you so much. As I mentioned, I've got a friend here with me today, Gabe Smith. Gabe and I have known each other uh, for a long time, grew up here in the Charlotte area. And Gabe's here today to, to share the scriptures and a little bit of his uh, story. But I also want to introduce uh, Gabe as an executive pastor of operations and leadership here at New City. He's actually been on the job for a couple of months and in the midst of, of COVID and everything else, haven't had a chance to introduce him. So I want to officially welcome and introduce Gabe Smith Um, as an executive pastor with us of operations and leadership. And we're really grateful to have you, Gabe. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. So Gabe's going to share a little bit of his story. He's got a a fascinating story uh, that that really, um, even this weekend, as we we think about military service, that's a part of your story that helps to frame that up, but so much more. Um, And he wants to share a little bit of that with you, uh, but also frame it up in the scriptures as we come to God's word today in worship. And so uh, we want to jump into the scriptures, but before we do that, uh, could we pray together and then we'll we'll, uh, we'll jump into John chapter 7, right? Sounds good. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this day that you've made. We do rejoice and we're really glad in it. Thank you for each and every person who's a part of our worship service today. I pray that your spirit would draw them to yourself, that you would work in their hearts and that each of us would see you today, Jesus, high and lifted up. As we come to your word and we share stories of of the impact that your word and your spirit have had on our lives, we pray that you would be honored and glorified and that we would each take a step closer to you. We're grateful this weekend um, to honor and to celebrate so many who have served. Would you bless them today? And again, we're grateful today to to come together in spirit and truth and worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So there's there's a a key passage I know that that sort of frames up your story. And I I just want to encourage you today, New City, that... um, you know, as you read the scriptures and you think about your own story and the story of Jesus in your own lives, um, to maybe think about if you had to share a passage to frame up your story or to tell your story, what would that be? And I know for you, Gabe, uh, it comes from John chapter 7. So I'm going to allow you to, to share that passage with us from John 7. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, would encourage you to, to open them. And if you're following along on the app, it's already preloaded with some notes there. And uh, you can follow along and take some, take some notes. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. 
before I read this passage, I um, just want to say that, you know, our, our stories are always framed in the context of a bigger story. And, and that's really why I wanted to start with reading the scriptures, because our stories don't stand alone. Yeah. Um, and the, the meaning of our lives and how we can best understand um, truth, the best way that we can understand uh, our purpose and, and why our lives matter um, is when we can find our small story rooted in a bigger story. Yeah. And what I love about this passage that we're going to read here in a moment um, is that it's a passage all about people remembering a bigger story in a moment when they realize um, that, that, that they, they are actually characters in a key part That's of the good. story. Um, so this is John chapter 7, uh, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Um, and just to provide a little context for, for this passage, you know, the scriptures are all about images. Um, and I, I think in images. I don't know about all of you. Um, that's just kind of the way my brain works. And, you know, one, one image that shows up over and over and over again in the scriptures is uh, that of a river. And so, you know, the, the story begins in a garden with these rivers flowing through it. The story ends with a city with a, flow, a river flowing out of it. Um, and all in between those two uh, images of, of rivers are, are images of water. Um, and, you know, the water always symbolizes the life of God, um, the life of God flowing um, to his creation um, and nourishing it. And so, you know, the context for this passage is uh, the Jewish people had all these festivals to remember the bigger story. And so at the beginning, when it says on the last day of the feast, the great day, the feast that um, is referred to as the Feast of the Tabernacles. And, you know, there's a lot going on in, in that feast, but they're remembering the bigger story. Um, they're remembering the things God has done, and they're remembering the things that God will do, um, because that's where their hope is. And one of the things they did was that they would fill the cistern up with water, I think, from the Pool of Siloam. And the priest would, you know, march with it around, and they would remember that it was God who provided water in the desert, and that it's God that would provide a, a river and nourishment and a future for them as a people. And um, so in, in that context, Jesus shows up and he says these powerful words, because if you can imagine, you know, it's, it's people who are thirsty, people who are um, in an oppressive society, um, you know, they're under Roman rule, um, people who have like lost their way um, in terms of, you know, their tribe and they're not sure what's, what's going to happen to them as a people. Um, and in, in that context, Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And, and Jesus is in that space declaring that he's in the middle of the story. He's, but he is what connects the two rivers, um, that all the, all the rivers, all those images um, lead to him. And so, uh, and then he says, out of his heart, speaking of those who believe in Jesus, will flow rivers of living water. So you kind of have these two ideas of Jesus saying, um, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, his heart will, uh, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And so 
as I think about my own story, I think of myself as living between the two rivers also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I, I have a part of my story where I remember the things that God has done. Mm-hmm. I remember a time where I was thirsty, where I was far from God, mm-hmm. um, and where I believed in him. And I stood up and you, you were there and we, yeah. we were in, in youth group together. Yeah. And I drank from that water and my thirst was quenched. But then a lot of life happened and life is messy and that's the story that we're going to tell. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I still, even in the messiness, have this hope um, that because God lives in me, um, because he's renewed my heart, um, that he can use me and that his spirit, his life can flow out of me mm-hmm. in, into a, a thirsty world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the space I find myself. And I think that's just a great way to tee up a, a thirsty guy. Uh, who had a cold drink and, and somebody who deeply desires um, to, to offer water to the world. I love so. that. Well, so um, as we both mentioned, we, Gabe and I grew up together um, here in Charlotte. Uh, we both attended the same church, um, met Christ in a similar time frame. Um, and I want him to share a little bit more of that story. But we, we kind of joke that uh, we both went to military schools. Uh, we both, we're actually, I think, three days apart in our birthdays. Um, so very, very close in age. And um, uh, Gabe, we both came through CMS here in Charlotte. Uh, Gabe went off to West Point. And I want you to share a little bit more of that story. I went to Liberty, so kind of joking that military schools. But we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're both wearing uniforms, you know, d- d- during, during the day. And um, I, I'd love for you to just, you know, start wherever you want to, but just walk us through a little bit of, because you, you, you shared there about receiving Christ and some of the surrounding part of the story, but maybe just, just share some of your story today as it comes out of the scripture. Yeah, no, thanks for that. It's fun to see stories when they come full circle, yeah. you know, I know that's part of yeah. um, us sitting on the stage as a full circle story. Um, well, I have to start my story with kind of where I am with my, my little tribe, my uh, wife, Janet, we just celebrated 21 years of, of marriage and we're both native Charlotteans, um, mm-hmm. uh, went to high school together, um, but I wasn't, I wasn't cool enough to, to date her in high school, but we did know each other. Um, and we, we have one daughter, her name is Madeline, and she's 13 years old. So, you know, we're in that season of life of, yeah. of uh, figuring out how to navigate the teenage years. Yeah. And, uh, but um, she's, she's an amazing, amazing kid. Um, so kind of going back, where did I come from? I, I'm a Charlottean. Um, I was actually born in the same hospital, Presbyterian hospital, as my mom. Hmm. Um, so we're, we come from a long line that you don't find too many of us yeah, these no. days. You know, most people move from somewhere else. Um, and a key part of my story is that I'm the oldest of, of three. Um, so I'm the oldest of three sons. And I think, you know, that, as, as you'll see as I tell my story, um, had a big impact on me just in terms of, like, seeing myself as a leader, seeing myself as someone who's uh, responsible for other people really started at a very early age. And, you know, you can see the, the, the picture there of my two um, younger brothers, Kyle and, and Stace. Stace is a paramedic here in, in Charlotte, um, you know, part of the crew um, responding to everything happening in our world right now. Yeah, that's awesome. So we talked about growing up, you met Christ, um, you graduated high school. What, what got you kind of pointed in the direction of military service? Because, yeah. you know, the story is not just about military service, but, but, but maybe even especially this weekend, want to talk about that, because I know that was a very formative part yeah. of your story. And after you received Christ, um, kind of heading in that direction and how that, you know, as you talked about stories coming together and shaping you, 
would love to just hear a little bit more about that and how that shaped you. Yeah, well, I think, you know, if there's a theme in my story, it's, you know, Gabe had a plan and God had a different plan, <laughs> um, which I think, yeah, you know, going, going back to our scriptures, you know, that's the, the folks that were in the midst of that story with Jesus at that feast, you know, they weren't expecting God to show up and, yeah. and go, I'm here. And, you know, all the things you've been waiting for is being fulfilled today. They weren't expecting that. Um, in, in a similar way, you know, when I was uh, graduating from South Mecklenburg High School, um, you know, my, my plan was not to go into the military, um, but I had a dream. My dream was to play Division I football. And, and so that, that dream uh, led me to the only Division I uh, school that actually showed any interest to in me, which was West Point. And I remember that, you know, I would get letters uh, in, in my locker uh, at, uh, the, on the football team. And I remember getting that letter from West Point, had a picture of a soldier on the front, and I was getting ready to throw it in the garbage because I thought, why? I don't want to be in the military. You know, I want to play football. And it just so happened my football coach, Steve Shaughnessy, who still lives here in Charlotte, um, still a dear friend, he, he happened to be walking behind me. He saw me trying to throw it away, and he grabbed my arm the way a, wow. a football coach said, you're not throwing that away. You're calling that guy back. And, wow. um, and, and so I did. And um, long story there, but I, I followed up with that process, and the Lord just opened that door mm -hmm. that I didn't see. Um, and then when I got to West Point, the irony is uh, I got cut from the team uh, before the first season. So I actually never played football at West Point, but God used uh, what I did know to show me something and take me to a place that I couldn't have known. I think that's another kind of life principle for me of like walking with Jesus is, is all about following him into places that you couldn't have known about. Yeah. Talk, talk to us a little bit about, um, and we won't stay on this too long, I promise, but um, it's a big part of your story. It's been part of my story, but talk, talk a little bit about being a commissioned officer in the military, what that's instilled in you, your perspective, even you know now more than ever, what perspective that's provided. Mm -hmm. We'd love to just, just hear a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, my experience in the Army shaped me profoundly because I, I went to West Point. I was 17 years old. Um, and, um, and I was, I stayed on active duty after West Point for about eight years. So, you know, the first really 12 years of my adult life away from home were in a military context. So it really shaped me profoundly in a number of ways. Um, you know, one, one way was, um, it, it, uh, shaped my disciplines, I think, and just, you know, really understanding the importance of, of discipline and the importance of living an ordered life. Um, the importance of leadership, um, the difficulty of leadership, um, the challenge of it, and also a love for it. I mean, you're really taught all of that at West Point, particularly, that leadership is one of the hardest things that you can do. It's also one of the most rewarding um, as well, because it's all about serving people. Um, and, you know, my, the love for people that I think was birthed in me at church and then growing up in my family, um, you know, that, that grew too, because the army was all about people. And I actually became an infantry officer. And, you know, uh, I chose the infantry because it wasn't about machines. It wasn't about flying a helicopter. Um, it wasn't about logistics. It was people. It was about leading men um, in a difficult situation. And so I learned that I, um, I love a challenge. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing like a challenge to bring, a, you know, a group of people together. Um, hmm. There's a, 
a shadow side to that, just like every story is as well. Um, and and the, the, the shadow side is that uh, I entered the military in a peacetime army, relatively speaking. Um, and then September 11th changed everything. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Because I, and thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, but uh, you were in Washington and, mm -hmm. and were there uh, the day of 9-11. And I'd love for you to just uh, a couple of minutes just to share that story with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think I was 23 years old. Uh, I was a, a platoon leader. I, I was leading a, a, a platoon in the 3rd U.S. Infantry, the Old Guard, yeah. um, which is the ceremonial unit um, in the Army. Uh, and I was actually the presidential salute battery commander. So we fired the 21 gun salutes for the president, any arriving dignitaries and, and general officers. And, um, you know, it was a pretty amazing kind of a cush job for the army, um, wearing, you know, press ceremonial uniforms, but we were also the, uh, the mortar platoon for our, our regiment. So we had to train and stay proficient in that. So on the morning of September 11th, like again, in a, in a peacetime army, in a job that was really like an amazing job for a young 23 year old guy is that you're getting paid to run around in the woods and blow stuff up and just have fun without really any threat of actually having to, to go to war. Um, and that morning I was actually at a training range um, about 50 miles south of, of the capital. And uh, we had just you know, started the, the training and this is before cell phones, if you guys remember that. My daughter can't believe there was a life before the smartphone, much less yeah. like no cell phones. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I remember my radio on the Humvee crackled to life and, you know, range control basically said, uh, you know, your, your commander's called, something's happened, pack it up and, and, and go back. And I remember driving, leading a convoy of military trucks down I-95 and I-395 um, back towards the Capitol and they had blocked the road off and you know we made our way to the roadblock they led us through and then we were the only vehicles on the road um, which was a surreal feeling if you've been to Washington DC that never happens like you dream yeah. of that happening when you're driving to work um, but remember we're the only you know vehicles on the road um, you know, there was uh, military aircraft flying real low and then we cr kind of crested the hill and we saw, you know, down into the capital region, you could just see this big plume of, of smoke and nobody knew what had happened. And so uh, we re returned to our, our base and, um, you know, my Fulberg Colonel commander was waiting for me, which is never a good sign when you're a lieutenant. Like, um, and he basically said, you know, Lieutenant Smith, I want you to pack up your men because I had the, some of the only trucks that our regiment had belonged to my platoon. So pack up your men and your trucks and go to the Pentagon. There's been some sort of explosion. Um, you need to be prepared to be gone for a few days. I just want you to go and find out how you can help. And so that began, you know, what really was an event that, you know, shaped our nation for sure, shaped our world and shaped my life um, profoundly. And if you don't mind, just for a few minutes um, or a moment, what what did you see? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we know, but, you know, what was your experience? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the, the picture that, that you're looking at is me and two of my fellow platoon leaders standing in front of, mm -hmm. of the Pentagon. This is after the fire was put out, but we arrived, um, you know, on the scene and, um, you know, there was, there was pieces of the airplane um, littering the front lawn. Of course, the plane had smashed into the fence, and so we just drove right onto the lawn. 
because um, there was no fence or anything. And I remember it just, it was complete chaos. Like no one was in charge, which was a really strange thing to be, you know, at the military headquarters of, of our country and no one's in charge and the building's on fire. So hot, you couldn't get anywhere near it. Um, so the fire departments are beginning to arrive, put, put things out. Um, and I told my men to stay in the truck uh, trucks and I went to find out where we could help and so I found an engineer platoon that was preparing to go like rescue people because at that point we thought you know they're survivors and we're going to go and and rescue people and um, so we went and we stood by with stretchers and we watched the Pentagon burn in front of us and um, after a while it became apparent there was no survivors and they they put the fire out and then if you see the picture, there was a part of the structure uh, because the plane went under the building. It knocked out the, the columns supporting it. And so we actually had to build. The first job we had was to build support columns to hold the building up mm -hmm. overnight. And then the next morning, um, my platoon was actually the first platoon to go in um, and, and begin what would be a three-week um, body recovery mm -hmm. operation. And... Um, and so, you know, to, to be a young 23-year-old um, in a leadership position and to be, you know, to, to leave your house one morning um, just to go to a normal job for the most part and then to find yourself, like, um, picking up bodies and body parts for, for three weeks, um, you know, was a life-altering um, event. And, and, and part of the reason it was life-changing is because um, there's either something in me or something I learned or some combination of that, that the way that I deal with pain is I just stuff it. Mm. And so I got through that experience as a leader by stuffing it because I didn't have at the time, you know, the luxury of expressing emotion. We just had to get through the experience and accomplish the mission. Um, but the problem is I, I never dealt with it. Um, and, and until very recently. And so, um, and that goes back to our passage because Jesus says, you know, he who believes in me out of his heart will flow streams of living water. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the Hebrew understanding, the heart isn't just our emotions. It's the kind of the seed of our being. It's our ideas and our emotions and our desires and yeah. our choices. And, and for me, the place of my heart yeah. in those three weeks, because I just stuffed everything um, just became clogged up, <laughs> essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a stretch of life where, you know, the, the, the life of God that I had access to didn't flow through me. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you, first of all, for sharing that and being vulnerable with that. Um, and, and just to walk forward, you, you, you came out of that, you eventually came out of the military. Um, and even just what you just shared there at the end, would love to hear a little bit more about how life progressed as you moved from an infantry officer back into civilian life and the journey that God had you on from there. And also um, definitely want to leave time today for, for, for the, the few minutes that we have left to unpack a little bit more about, you know, how you did begin to grieve what happened and just some of the, even the lessons that we take from John seven, what that looks like. Yeah. Well, so the next picture you see is, is uh, me still in the army. Now I'm a captain. Um, and I was in the 2nd Infantry Division and uh, out of Fort Lewis, Washington was uh, Janet and I moved there. Madeline wasn't born yet. And after three weeks, we were told that we were deploying to Iraq to be the first follow on force in the war. So um, did that. Um, and then actually, while I was in combat, I was stationed in Mosul in the northern part of, of the country. Um, 
I really just began to get a sense that uh, my purpose wasn't to be an infantry officer. Um, that what I was really passionate about, that what I really was made for was to be a pastor. Because in all my free time in between the infantry duties on our little outpost in Iraq, um, I, was, I was basically pastoring soldiers. And, um, and so really felt like that was what I was supposed to do. So I came home from, from the war and um, took one last assignment at Clemson University where uh, Madeline was born. I was a taught military leadership at the university. It was a great way to end my army career. And I started classes at Gordon-Conwell um, in Charlotte and then eventually um, moved to Charlotte um, and uh, worked for Chris Payne. <laughs> and um, had my first role in a church and um, got my Master's of Divinity in this picture um, that, that you see here is um, a really um, important part of my story. The, the guy to my left is Robbie Fisher, who was our youth pastor, um, the guy that led me to Christ and discipled us. Um, this is at my seminary graduation. The, the guy on the other side is a guy named Greg Walker, um, also a Ranger veteran, um, who I led to Christ. Wow. And so, you know, and I think that's, to me, this is a picture of, if, if that picture of the Pentagon is a picture of what, it, what began a journey of, you know, the life of God stopped flowing through me. Mm. Um, this is a picture of like the life of God flowing from Robbie to yeah. me and then to Greg, Greg. Yeah. which I think just discipleship I is, is what we're made for, yeah. um, pouring ourselves out for others. So. Yeah, I know one of the things that I've heard, I've learned a lot from, from Gabe through the years, and one of them uh, on discipleship is, and we really, we talk about leadership a lot, that, that leadership really is discipleship. Yes. Um, it's you being a disciple and a follower of Jesus, but exactly. also helping to do the same for others. And so from there, from seminary graduation um, and just entering to more of a pastoral ministry, but just same leadership yep. that, that, you, that God had always been using for you from the battlefield now to mm-hmm. uh, a different field. Talk, sure. talk maybe a little bit about that. Yes, I think God doesn't waste our experiences, but he transforms us through them. Um, Sometimes he changes our understanding of of them. And so, yeah, when I um, started pastoral ministry, got my seminary degree, um, my first church job was I was basically like a missions pastor. And so I was exposed to like the big C church, the global church, this, this idea that there's a church around the world, which is still for me, like one of the most compelling things about being a Christian is that not only do we find our small story in light of God's bigger story, we also find it in light of the, the story of the church and God's people around the world right now. So the picture you're seeing there is one of my first times as a pastor going to the African continent. I think that was in, in Senegal yeah. um, and yeah. just using yeah. my gifts, you know, there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then from, so speaking of the continent of Africa, yeah. <laughs> um, a big part of your story and journey was uh, beginning a discipleship leadership community um, yep. in South Africa. Yep. And would love for you to just share a little bit about that because I think that also just in the, the journey of your story and heart mm-hmm. began a whole new thing of pouring into indigenous leaders, um, you know, not just in South Africa, but, but even going forward. So I'd love for you to just share a couple minutes about that. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things I learned when I was in, in seminary was that um, the most prolific growth in the history of the Christian faith is, is happening in, on the African continent right now. And um, that just moved Janet and I. And, and, and so we got this vision that we were to go to 
to Africa, um, and we ended up going to, to South Africa after a couple of twists and turns. We, we ended up moving there for six years with, with Madeline, and um, for, the, for the purpose of um, that stream of living water, pouring that out and directing that out towards young, um, particularly young uh, African Christian leaders um, who, you know, I think are going to lead, the who are leading the global church and who will lead the global church. Um, and so I think um, that's maybe one of the most important parts of my story yeah. is we, we built this community there and just had the amazing opportunity to um, be part of discipling, um, you know, a number of, of younger leaders. And um, the, the, the picture that you see now is um, this, uh, you know, amazing picture of a young pastor um, who uh, we met when he was just living in a, in a tin shack um, as a, a recent high school graduate. Wow. And, um, and now he's a pastor um, pouring his life um, into hundreds and hundreds of other people. And so I, I look at that picture and I think, you know, I could die and go to heaven now. And, you know, I, my life was yeah. worth it. Like yeah. that God used me, that I was once thirsty, I drank. Um, and then God's life poured out through me to a young leader and a place in the world where he continues to um, be part of growing the kingdom. Hmm. And um, to me, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, <laughs> the truth is that that picture has been multiplied many times yeah. um, in and through your life with, right. with different leaders, not, not just in um, the South African context, but that spread yeah. to different um, places around the world and then led you back. Um, we're grateful uh, back to the States, but you're, you're still, you know, ministering, discipling different leaders um, around the world. But I kind of feel like in listening to Gabe's story and coming back to this passage from John chapter seven, that our, our new city family, like we're, 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 you know, coming back into the story together. And I feel like we kind of get the best of you and all those experiences because you're your kind of your your operations, you know, leadership from from the military and and learning how to structure and and lead people and and get things done, you know, we're we're benefiting from that, but also your your leadership, which really is discipleship. It's really just about discipling people, helping people. Um, really, what we're doing, we're all following Jesus and helping people to follow along and look to Him. Um, that's ultimately what servant leadership is. What we talked about last week with our our last of the core values, servant leadership is our offering. And I just want to say in front of you, in front of our whole New City family, that we're grateful to, to have you here for this part of the journey. And, um, you know, just are grateful to, to be benefiting from so many parts of your, your story. And even out of this passage, just the rivers of living water um, that, are, that are flowing out of you that we're, that we're drinking from and, and benefiting from. So I do want to, there's so many, there's so many other little, like, this is hard for me because... I know so much more of the story and, and, and as we get to know Gabe and as you uh, connect with Gabe, I'd encourage you to just follow up and to, to know Gabe is to love Gabe and um, to, to, to really look at his heart and his life is, is to, to grow closer to Jesus. Um, but I really would love today. Yeah, so it's hard for me because I want to go down different paths here. But f for now, as we close our time, we'd love for you to just share, if you could, just, a, you know, as we come to this passage um, as we think about our own stories, we think about a passage that may be emblematic of our stories, um, as this is for you from John 7. What's a final thought that, you would, that you'd leave us with? Yeah, I would say pay attention to your heart. 
Um, you know, there's, I think, such a temptation, now more than ever, <laughs> to yeah. use that language, yeah. that as, you know, as the, the world is erupts in chaos around us, that I think there's a temptation to, um, and, and we, we are unsettled. Yeah. And, you know, and there's, um, there's a temptation to fix things out here and think that if we, yeah. if we get busy out here, if we make the world right out here, then somehow we'll become what we imagine we ought to be and, and, and that we'll somehow experience the peace and joy and, and, and vigor for life yeah. that we long for. Yeah. And yet I think what the gospel points to, what this passage points to is it's, it's the opposite, is that you know, pay attention to yeah. what's going on in the sacred space of your heart because that's the space where Jesus says, like, I, 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 want, I want to give you water mm. so that you'll never be thirsty again. I, I want to I form you here so that mm -hmm. you can pour out not your life, your gifts, what you have to offer, but what he has to offer mm. to a world that's super thirsty. Okay. But I think just we have to pay attention here before yeah. we pay attention here. I love that. Thanks so much for sharing with us. And thanks so much for, for being with our New City family and sharing in this leadership journey. We're, we're definitely beneficiaries of it for sure. So thank you. Such a, a privilege. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Let's, um, let's close in prayer. I'm going to ask Gabe to, to pray for us. One um, um, thing that Gabe didn't mention, which is, which is wonderful and has, has really helped us so much, is you, you also um, were ordained as an Anglican priest. So I kidded Gabe today that he should have <laughs> brought his robe and everything and set up here. But that's been a, a great part of your ministry as yeah. well. Um, and so maybe next time we, we, we talk, we'll, we'll go further in that journey. But would you pray for us today? I will. Thank you. Father, we just thank you for allowing us to be a part of your bigger story. Lord, we thank you that uh, our lives make sense, um, that they have meaning and purpose because of what you've already done for us. We thank you, Lord, that you offer us living water, um, we thank you, Lord, that you allow us to be conduits of your life to the world. And so, Lord, we just ask for your help individually and, and corporately as your church, as a community of people who desire to follow you. Lord, would you, would you help us to pay attention to our hearts? Lord, the places in our lives uh, where um, we're, we're not aware of the, of the things that are um, keeping us from you. Lord, would you make us aware of those things? And Father, would you lead us in, in the way of life? And Father, we just thank you for the great privilege of being called your sons and your daughters. And we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining us today at New City Online. Our, our hosts want to share a couple more things with you, namely some ways that you can get further connected here with our church family, and we would love that. Look forward to you joining us next week. We're going to start a brand new series entitled Blind Spots, Seeking Justice from, interestingly, from the inside out. So I hope you'll join us for that brand new series next week. Would you extend your hands today, wherever you might be, for a blessing before we go? Now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord, Lord turn his attention towards you. And may the Lord today and always fill you with his grace and his mercy and his peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We love you, New City. 
That was a great message. I so enjoyed hearing more about Gabe and his story. And if you're new here today, we wanna say a special welcome to you. We're so glad you joined us at New City Online. And we'd love a chance to connect with you. You can do that through our website, newcity.us slash connect. And while we are so passionate about seeing people in our city and in our world cared for, we are just as passionate about also caring for our New City family. So if you know someone in the New City family who's struggling, please go to our website, newcity.us care and let us know. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. We love you. Have a great week.